0: the chairs. Don't take it to the aisles. Amen. <laughs> How many are glad you're in the house of God this morning? Amen. We're glad you're here. You're in the best place you can possibly be, I believe. Amen. Um, it's an exciting day. It's always exciting when we do baptism. It's it's the gospel in action this morning. And so we're going to uh, have that at the end of the service. So we'll be prepared for that. It'll be an exciting time. But I want to I want to talk this morning about something I believe is going to bless us and be beneficial. Friday night we had a, a great time of fellowship. Um, about twenty something of us went to a Rangers game um, on Friday night. Had a blast. They won. That always makes it better. And uh, hit several home runs. And uh, I am a prophet, by the way. Not I don't claim to be a prophet in the things of God, but I, I we were up way up in the in the grandstands in the in the second deck, the upper deck they call it. And uh, we were in the spot where um, you can eat all the food you want, so it was extra fun. And uh, all the hot dogs, nachos, popcorn, peanuts, drinks, chicken sandwich, all you can eat. And we made sure we took advantage of that. Amen. And so uh, they, the Rangers. I follow the Rangers, and they hadn't been scoring many runs. And I said, "You watch, guys. They're gonna score some runs tonight because they're due." And then one of the guys came up, his name's Joey Gallo, and uh, he's a big dude, and he can hit the ball far. And I said, that guy can hit the ball up here. And a couple innings later, he hit a home run about 20 feet to the left of us, into our area. And so I guess we were on the news and everything. If you go back and watch the clips, you can see me going like this. I'm behind everybody going, I told you, I told you He could hit it up here. And uh, we had a great time. And uh, we had some f- people behind us that were having a great time. Except they weren't having a great time the same way we were having a great time, amen. We were having, he was having a great time, and they were having a great time a way that a lot of people in this church used to have a great time, B.C., before Christ, amen. And so it got me thinking, that's why that's up there this morning, because this one guy, you know, it's been a while since i preached this, and this is an important message to preach, Should, should Christians drink alcohol? So I'm going to try to answer that question this morning. And uh, hopefully you've got an open mind, and hopefully you understand that I'm going to use God's word, not my opinions. And uh, we're going to answer this question. Uh, It's an age-old question. Uh, But I do want to say this uh, to start off with. um, Drinking alcohol, one thing you can know for sure, um, is going to take you further than you want to go get you to do things you don't want to do. Um, I was thinking about this particular guy, and he, he confirmed it up for me. Uh, he was sitting down about 10 rows, but he, you know, kept going up and down, up and down. No, they didn't have free beer, or that section would never have enough room in it for people, I'm sure. Uh, you had to pay for that at $8.25 a bottle. I don't know how people afford to drink, but they do. I guess they make a way. And so he's back and forth, back and forth, and kind of about the seventh inning, after about every inning, bringing some beer back, he came this time with a bottle in his left hand and a cup in his right. I mean, he was loaded. And uh, he went to go sit down and I I heard him say, he looked at his friends who had already stopped drinking and he said, I wasn't planning on drinking this much. So I kind of want to get that started just with that thought. I wasn't planning on drinking this much, but I want to look at some stuff in the Bible and I want to give you a very biblical uh, answer to this question. Should a Christian drink alcohol. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever had that question. I'm not going to ask, ask you if you drink. I'm not going to ask you if you have drank. I'm not going to ask you any of that. I'm just going to answer the question and 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 allow you by the end of the service to to make your own opinion based on the Bible. But I am going to start off by giving my personal um, uh, belief for my personal conviction. I don't drink. I don't drink any alcohol at all. Uh, not even a drop. I um, And in any way, shape, or form, and on top of that, I expect anybody that's, just so you know our church and and what we stand for, that anybody in our church that's in leadership, uh, that does anything as far as ushering or or children's church or praise team or anything, they, they, they know that we have an expectation for ministry that says that if you're going to, because that's something you do, beyond just coming to church. You know, we can't uh, control your lives at home or, or or tell you what to do, but if you say, hey, I want to lead, I want to be in ministry, I want to be involved, then I can say as the leader of the church, then if you're going to do that, here's the expectations we have. And so um, our, our leaders read a, 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 a thing we expect of them, and in there, um, they sign an agreement that they will not do certain things, and certain things they will do, which is tithing and praying and coming to church and doing the things that a leader should do. And so one of those things that we don't do is we don't drink in leadership in any way. And and I want to say that I know uh, worldwide there are many different beliefs on this. There are many different um, uh, stances that people have. uh, And we're not talking this morning about people outside of the church. That doesn't concern us. This is a question, uh, unbelievably, that is very prevalent and very necessary to answer in the church. Um, and, and I would go on to say that there are uh, many churches around the world who not only um, really don't preach against drinking, but they actually have their pastors and their leadership that do um, drink. But, but one thing that's clear that I want to start off with is, is there's a difference between when you begin to look at this answer because most people who have a common sense understand biblically that it is easy to understand that God's uh, clear... Uh, totally clear on getting drunk. Okay, that's not even a question. Uh, so it's not any Christian that would say, you know, I don't believe it's a sin to get drunk, is already, don't, don't even waste your breath with them. Anyways, because there's many verses, I can throw out just a couple to get beyond that. Galatians 5.21 talks about the fruits or the works of the flesh, and one of the works of the flesh is drunkenness. And so it's easy, easy there. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.10 says very clearly that drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so those are just two verses just to kind of start off with and, and kind, of, kind of like maybe begin to um, eliminate some thoughts and things. Uh, if you're here and you're a drunkard and you drink excessively and you get drunk, you're in trouble. That's all I can tell you. I mean, you if you want to serve Jesus, you need to get delivered. And you need to get set free from that because it's not God's will. And, and the Bible says very clearly, drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. It is a work of the flesh. Um, and in Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So those are just a few just to kind of, you know, take, take the group and get a whole bunch out the way. Um, and then it would be, okay, well, what about the fact of not getting drunk? Can, can I drink a beer? Can I drink a glass of wine? Can I do these things? And then if you do the can, the can is obvious that you can do anything you want. Uh, that's why I didn't put can a Christian drink alcohol. Because I could have put can a Christian murder, can a Christian uh, committed adultery. Can't I could do a lot of cans and we know that we can do a lot of things. Um, and I know every time that I preach this, I've preached this for several years, um, uh, I'm not going to say who. I have family in my immediate family that uh, struggle very greatly with alcoholism. And, I, and at one time in my life, I said, Lord, I want to do a study on this. I want to see what your word says. I want to be able to answer the questions. And, and I always try my best when I preach a message. This is a good Sunday morning message to try to answer the questions, not just with a no, yes, but given a reason why. And really looked at the scripture. So I want to ask this morning as we're going to pray in just a minute. Just to open your minds. If you're here, there's all across this place different thoughts, different ideas, different convictions. And that, that you would let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. Father, we just ask that right now. And just for the next few minutes that this would be a question that would be able to be clearly answered. And and Lord, in our own spirits, your word says in Philippians 2 that we would work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And Lord, that's a, a personal conviction that we have to deal with on our own. And so just open up hearts and minds and spirits to receive this morning. Don't let there be any preconceived ideas, but let your word bring forth answers through us this morning because your word is the authority in our lives. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. There's a lot of different directions I could go. How many are okay with this, by the way? Is it okay if I talk about this? Amen. Uh, there's a lot of different directions I can go, and, I, and I've prayed about it, and, I've, and I've, I've preached this before, but every time I preach it, God gives me something different. I want to start off, believe it or not, in the book of Genesis. If you'll go to the book of Genesis. I'm going to give you quite a few scriptures this morning, but there's two or three th- really key things I want you to see and um, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about on this. I want to... Read Genesis chapter 9, and this is really interesting, um, very, very uh, clear that probably many people don't know this, if, and I'm not, again, this isn't a raise your hand, be embarrassed, but I, I just want to get you to think, I, I, if I asked you to raise your hands this morning, many of you would not know that I, if I told you Noah got drunk, lots of you would be like, what? And you'd be shocked. Noah. Yes, the Noah from the flood got drunk. And a lot of people don't know that, but it's in the Bible. And actually, when Noah got drunk was the first mention of alcohol in the Bible, all the way back in Genesis chapter 9. So I want to read this real quick. Genesis chapter 9, uh, verse 18. Now the sons of Noah went out of the ark. Who were, who were the sons of Noah? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. And these three were the sons of, of Noah. And from these three, the whole world po- whole earth was populated. We know that from these three sons, the earth was repopulated after everybody died in the flood. Verse 20, And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to talk right off the bat here about wine. Wine comes from the vine. Wine comes from grapes. So Noah plants a vineyard. And, and look at verse 21. This is really interesting. Then... He drank of the wine and was, what does it say there? Noah the drunk. They don't, we don't teach that too much in Sunday school. Amen. And he became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside, And Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were turned away and they did not see their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his what? Wine and knew that what what his younger son had done to him and said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brethren. Now, this is very interesting, church. First and foremost, reading the way we read this, for for Noah to curse his son, something happened inappropriate. We don't know exactly what it is, but he cursed him. And so uh, the first example of alcohol in the Bible, we see something that causes nakedness. We see Noah literally lose his mind, not know what he's doing. And and kind of gives us a picture of what many people end up doing when it comes to drinking nowadays. It's just something that goes way back to Genesis. But I want to, I want to tell you something very interesting. This is very interesting because I was studying this out. I had never seen this before. I've actually never even used Noah in my teaching on this. The interesting thing is, is when, and I'm not a scientist, and I'm going to give you my, ex, my version of reading this, okay? So, and it's going to be elementary because that's how I like to teach, um, I could throw out a bunch of, like a matter of fact, when I was reading this, some of the words I couldn't even pronounce, but I'm going to give you Blake's version. Okay, so the idea is that in, in the Bible, we see that um, the flood happens. And again, this is another thing that a lot of people don't know. Uh, it, when it rained to flood the earth, it came from the sky. And we go, yeah, duh, that's how it rains. Well, it had never rained from the sky before when Noah had the flood. Water came up from the ground. Okay, y'all with me? And so, when, when the ground would be watered in, in, in the days before the flood, it was like a built-in sprinkler system. Water would come up from the ground, and that's how uh, the things would be, vegetation, all that would happen. So the flood caused rain to come from the skies. Now, here's the interesting thing: at that moment, when it, before it rained, or, yeah, before it rained, there was a buildup of condensation in the in the sky, very thick, and and um. So what it caused was, if you could just kind of picture in your mind. Uh, the entire time that they had before the flood, there was a, a, a layer, thick layer of condensation in the sky, that never released water, okay? Because it never rained from up there, and until the flood, y'all with me on that? So when, so, so the air that was breathed, and the life down on earth was different before the flood. Once the flood happened, and that that rain came from from heaven. And and the flood happened, and and, and everything was destroyed, and then the waters calmed, and the waters went back down, and life began again, and they came out, and they began to multiply. He goes to do a garden. Now he's vegetating. He's making vegetation. He's making a vineyard now with a different atmosphere than before. So now the atmosphere causes, begins to cause in 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 the ground fermentation of things. Y'all, I'm going to let that sink in for a second. See, before the flood, everything was perfect. And, and the world was different. But after the flood, he destroyed sin. He destroyed the people. And, now, and, that's, and that's why people don't live as long as they used to live. And that's why things have changed. Ever, ever since then, things have changed. So Noah did not get drunk knowingly. Noah did not begin to throw the wine back and drink and go, oh, this is fun. Although at some point along the process, he was probably having some fun, didn't realize what was going on. He did not get drunk on purpose because we understand that when we think of Noah getting drunk, oh my gosh, that ruins everything I've ever thought about Noah. Well, don't think that way because Noah did not get drunk on purpose. Noah got drunk because he had never drank that kind of wine. He'd never drank that kind of drink, and it was changed by the atmosphere. And now, all of a sudden, he gets drunk. And so we see the very first time that happens in the Bible alcohol being fermented uh, and, and, and turned into alcohol content now makes Noah drunk. And what comes out of the first thing? Someone gets cursed, someone's naked, a bad thing happens. Just the very first thing in the Bible. How many grabbed that? Hosea chapter four verse eleven says, "Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart." Harlotry for Hosea chapter four verse eleven. Try not to look at those little ones; you'll, you'll miss the message. Trying to find those little chapters, read them later, How, but write them down. Hosea four eleven: Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. I want to begin to show you this morning. Um, One of the things that one of the reasons, especially that I personally, if you'll go to Proverbs chapter 31, uh, I don't uh, consume alcohol, my own personal self, uh, among many reasons. But I began to realize something that's very scriptural um, as you're getting to Proverbs 31. Most people know Proverbs 31 as the chapter that talks about the virtuous woman. And um, that's kind of the most known thing. But something happens a little earlier in that chapter that's uh, kind of overlooked. As you're getting to Proverbs 31, how many of have you ever heard that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation? And the Bible basically says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that if you're a believer, how many believers do I have this morning in Jesus Christ? If you're a believer, we are kings and priests. We are kings and priests. That's what the Bible says we are. I know for some of us it's hard to believe that. Our self-esteem doesn't allow it, but the Bible tells us we are kings and priests, okay? And so what we begin to do when we begin to think about alcohol or and or lots of things that are temptations in our lives that, that we, need, we, we, we get to that place of should I, shouldn't I type of lifestyle um, that we should be living as Christians and having the conviction of the Holy Spirit dealing with us on a daily basis is we have to realize now I'm not the person that I used to be. I am now a new creation, the Bible says. I am now not just uh, someone who just believes in Jesus, but now I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God, if you're a female. I am a a, a child of God. I am precious, and and now um, I want to live up to my king's standards, okay? I want to lift up to, we're kings and priests, but I want to lift up to the king's standards, and, and this is going to make a little more sense in a second. But um, if you look at Proverbs 31, verse 4, it says... Give me an amen if you're there. It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to do what? Drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted, give strong drink to him who is perishing... And wine to those who are bitter of heart. Look at 6 again with me. So we see here in the scriptures that that God says through his word, The people that should be drinking are those who are perishing. Give strong drink to those who are perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. And verse 7, Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. So I realized many years ago that I am a king now. I am a priest in God's eyes, and, and I, I'm going to be uh, different than other people. I especially, this was before I became a pastor, but especially, or a missionary, or a leader, especially before I just said, you know what, I want to lead. Because you got to understand, once you say you're going to lead, and hopefully when I say that, that doesn't cause you this morning to go, well, I'm going to back up out of leadership because I don't want to, you know. Hopefully you want to lead. Hopefully you want to lead. But the thing you got to understand I learned many years ago is that a guy named Bill Wilson, who has a kids ministry, as you know, I had a kids ministry for a lot of years, works with 20-something thousand kids a week in New York City. 20,000. He's still doing it to this day. He's an amazing man. Um, he, he, I went and heard him one time under his ministry when I was just saved about 20 years old. And he said something very, that I'll never forget. He said, the higher you climb the ladder in leadership, the more your undergarments show. So you have to realize that if you're going to lead, you've got to lead a life of purity. And, 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 and so, uh, that's something that, that for me personally, uh, even gets greater because I want to live a life that, pe- that I understand people are watching and I want to make sure that as people are watching me, that I'm living in a way that's not a stumbling block to people's lives. Um, so that's, that's the attitude behind that. But I, now I'm going to really get to the gist of this that I want to get to. If you go to John chapter 2, we're going to look at, I'm going to, I'm going to rebuttal uh, some things. Because what you'll do uh, when you begin to talk about the conversation in church about drinking is you'll get people... Who will begin to say certain things. And you might be here this morning and you might have heard some of these certain things. And so I'm going to throw some of them out. First and foremost, m- number one, more, probably, you know, survey says, for doing Family Feud, I could uh, have you all come up and hit the button. And survey, say, survey says would be, Jesus drank wine. Okay, right? Survey says, and that's, that would be, Jesus drank wine. Well, let's look at that. Let's 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 take Jesus drank wine and let's go to John chapter 2. And uh, actually um, let me let me think just for a second if I don't want to go to John chapter 2 first. Let's do yeah, let's do this. Let's get this out the way. John chapter 2. It's, it doesn't really matter the order. Give me an amen if you're there. This is Jesus' first miracle. The absolute first miracle he does. John chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day when there was a wedding. In the Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said, woman, what is your concern with me? My hour has not yet come. So she's basically trying to get him to do a miracle, and he's not ready. His mother says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. So she kind of puts them on the spot like a mom would. He's going to sing a solo, whether he wants to or not. I never had a choice if I wanted to sing growing up. Mom just said, hey, you're going to sing. I said, mom, there's 500 people here. Get out there and do it. Okay. But I thank God for that. Help me, helps me now be able to talk in front of people. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Now, verse 6, there was six water pots of stone. Now, I don't have this this morning in my, uh, okay, there it is. Thank you, Lord, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing how many? 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Someone quick at math, do me 30 times 6? 180, right? Look at me. I wasn't even good at math. I was with you. You get the credit, though. So 180 gallons is a lot of water, okay, or a lot of wine. So it says... According to the manner of purification, there was 20 or 30 gallons apiece, six water pots, 180 gallons. And Jesus says, fill the water pots with water. So basically, uh, if you want to get an idea how much that is, that's probably about half of that baptismal tank. It's full of wine. Okay, that's a lot. And they're out. They've drank it all. It's all gone. And so they, they say, he goes and says, fill the water pots up with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now, take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, they saw the miracle, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, verse 9, verse 10, and he said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior or the less good. And you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cain of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. So the first thing I want to talk about with this is the first thing we have to understand is what is wine? That's the first thing we have to understand. And the first thing I want to say on that, and I'm kind of going a different direction this morning than I usually do, but I do want to take just a minute on this because usually I'll talk more about just this specifically. Um, today... When you drink water here at the church, there's a machine back there that's got purified water. I, at my house, drink purified water. Lots of us drink out of a bottle. Some of us drink out of the tap. That's fine. Some places don't have very good tap water. Uh, Some countries don't have good any water. And we know that as a fact today. Uh, When wine, first I want to throw off the word wine. The word wine here is used many ways and in many directions. It does not always mean in the Bible when it says wine that it is fermented okay wine if you want to write this down in your notes is another word for fruit of the vine fruit of the vine which means grape juice and when you talk about grape juice in those times let's back up a couple thousand years at least And let's know today, uh, I am going to put you on the spot on this. How many of you, be honest with me this morning, how many of you don't particularly enjoy drinking water? Let me see your hands. Like, it's not your favorite thing to do. I'm going to wait for a few more honest, honest hands to go up. I know there's quite a few. You know you need to drink water, but you don't really enjoy water, okay? And especially if it's got that chlorine taste or if it smells like fish, or if it's dirty, amen. Sometimes tap water that I drink smells like it's got some fish in there and I don't like it, amen. So how many are with me on that? Uh, if, if we today, even though we know, get beyond the fact we know we need to drink water, let's talk about the fact of do we like water. So water at that time, if you think water doesn't taste great today, really didn't taste good back then because they didn't have water fountains and purification systems and bottled water they went and got water from the well and then when they got it back to their house they kept it in a cistern and how many let me just let me just go here for a second when you have water sitting for a while what happens to it it gets stagnant and stagnant water stinks and stagnant water gets yucky stuff in it are y'all following me so back in Bible times they would begin to learn, hey, this grape juice stuff, when we squeeze grapes together, w- ooh, it tastes good. We need to add this to the water. Just like today, we like to drink juice, and we like to drink Coke, and we like to drink coffee, and we like to drink all kinds of things because we get tired of drinking water. They had, they, that was their Pepsi back then, or their Dr. Pepper here in Texas. Okay, y'all with me? That was their Dr. Pepper. When they got tired of drinking water or they wanted to have the water, that was their Kool-Aid. They mixed grape juice with their water. And so when we see the the, the name wine in the Bible, it does not always come across to us today in Bible times as it was then of what wine is today. Y'all with me on that? And so first and foremost, that's important to understand. And I'll get into that just in a second more here. And time is flying. I hate when that happens. Um, y'all still here? Okay. I'm trying to go as fast as I can. And so the, the, they, they would drink that for that purpose. And so uh, th- I want you to have that in mind as you think about um, the, the wedding here. Okay? Now, we know Jesus. We love Jesus. We, we, we worship Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our Master. We know he was perfect in every way. And so I want you to begin to think about Jesus at a party. Okay? And I want you to think about, yes, we know that Jesus would hang out with sinners. Yes, we know that Jesus uh, would be with sinners. But we know that Jesus would not do what sinners do. Right? There's a big difference. Now, here's another thing. I'm going to throw this out along with, well, Jesus drank wine, the the stereotype. Uh, Another thing that people say is um, that Jesus was a wine bibber. He He ate with sinners and he was a wine bibber. That was the name they gave him. Well, if you believe that the Pharisees or the people called him a wine-bibber, them calling him a wine in the Scriptures makes him a wine-bibber, then you also have to believe that John the Baptist had a demon. Because the Bible says that John the Baptist, they, they called John the Baptist and they said, this man has a demon. We know that John did not have a demon. We know he was of God. But if you're going to say that Jesus was a wine-bibber just because they called him one, and that, was, that it was a glutton just because they called him one, and that he was this and that just because they called him one, then you got to make John the Baptist have a demon too. How many see the example? And everything they said about him was what, who he was. But he was guilty in that time by association because he was called for the sinner, not the saint. So the only way he could go and get them saved was to be with them. So he ate with sinners, he drank with sinners, he preached to sinners. But Jesus would not have committed the things that they did uh, that were sin. Okay, whatever it was. So what I want you to do here. This is really the middle meat to the best and most important picture of just to think about in the Holy Spirit uh, as you picture Jesus. And I know many of you here, many of you um, have been to a party, have have partied. Uh, uh, we've got some good ones in here. Amen. A lot of ex, uh, I believe, uh, of partiers. Uh, that know how and like I said that kind of takes me back to the game you know I don't know how some of them like whoa I remember the days that I used to do that and after the game um, some of the half the crazy group we ate all you can eat for three hours and then half of the crazy group went to a taco place but you know what that's revival because it's fellowship and they wanted to hang out together more amen I don't know if anybody ate tacos but hey But they were talking on Saturday yesterday at the garage sale how back in the day, you know, it would have been a lot different. And, And it's funny because some people cannot function or be at a function without something in their hand. Okay, I just, you just can't. I mean, if you look at society, just everything that happens, hey, it's a wedding, let's drink. Hey, it's a birthday, let's drink. Hey, somebody died, let's drink. Hey, somebody's born, let's drink. Hey, somebody breathed, let's drink. I mean, some people are looking for the reason, amen, any way they can find it. Hey, Hey, did you wake up this morning? Yes, let's go drink. Amen. I mean, you're just looking for a reason to, oh, I had a bad day today. Oh, it was a good day today, Right? Some people just get to that place, but it doesn't start off that way. Let me get back here, focused. <laughs> well, here we are at a party. Jesus has got all these people. He's been invited to the party. So let's just say he gets there, okay? Let's, 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 let's do a hypothetical. Let's say he gets to the wedding, and they're serving alcoholic wine. Let's say that, hypothetically. Let's say that the drink they're serving is alcoholic. If they went through 180 gallons, I don't know how many people was there. It's a lot. If they went through 180 gallons of wine, and that was gone, and everybody was drinking, we know even if he was, let's say, hypothetically, they would have had to have gotten a little tipsy. Okay, at least a little tipsy. Okay, and, and, and let me throw something out here. I'm, so, I'm trying so much with my finite little brain here, try to, to get all this in line. But let me throw something out that I showed a few people yesterday that was very interesting. If I, and, and not, not to answer your question, if I put up here a bottle of beer or can, and I put a glass of wine. 99% of the people in this room would say that beer has more alcohol. But wine has sometimes up to four times more alcohol than beer. Up to four times. I looked at a list, and I showed it to a few people. Uh, beer over here would start, at, would start at 2% and go up to about five, and there's a few beers that are you know way out there, 10, 12, beer, so the highest was 12. Over here in wine starts at 4% and goes up to 22% some wines. And by the way, there's $168, a $168,000 wine bottle today, which is dumb. Um, but some people would drink it, right? It's a lot of money. I would sell it. <laughs> Amen. So y'all seeing me there? Here. So, so they get a little tipsy. Everybody's drinking a little buzz at least. Okay. So let's just hypothetically say that Jesus got there and it was wine. Everybody's a little tipsy and come over and like, Hey, Jesus, can we get you, can we get you to, you know, um, do a miracle? And no mom. And then he does it. I want you to try to picture Jesus, our Lord and our savior, recognizing that at a party he was invited to everybody's a little tipsy and knowing where that leads. Cause he's God saying, okay, mom, I'm going to give him more intoxication y'all with me can you if you can picture your Lord and Savior Jesus the perfect man making that water into wine that's intoxicating and fermented and causes drunkenness to a people who are already tipsy to get more drunk that's not the Jesus I serve that's not the Jesus that I serve that's not mine I can't do it I can't go there I can't do that just giving you a hypothetical. I can't see Jesus being at a party and giving people who are at least buzzed more alcohol. On top of that, that just a hypothetical, okay, just to kind of get you at ease a little bit. On top of that, even greater, though, is here's the key. God is a God of nature. He's a natural God. God is perfect. So think about this. Uh, to talk just for a second about fermentation, um, if, I'm not going to do it for time, but if you'll write down in your notes... Um, and to look at it later. Exodus chapter 12. It's just one area. Exodus chapter 12. Read it later. The Bible says that Jesus came to what? Somebody, somebody finished that one. He did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. Okay? So everything he did from the moment he was born was to fulfill the law of Christ, or the law of, of the Old Testament. Everything. To the letter. To the letter, to the, to the dotted I, to the cross T. Everything he did. So, he's, if, he, if he's doing that, You have to look at the the water that was natural, and for him to take, see in in Exodus 12, the Bible says that um, Passover happened and they made unleavened bread. How many remember that word? You've heard me say that, okay? They had to make unleavened bread. Unleavened bread meant no yeast. Yeast is what causes fermentation, okay? Uh, So, yeast is. Is, is what's made in bread to cause it to rise, which causes fermentation uh, in the bread to rise. But the, the, the idea is, he says, make unleavened bread so that there will be no yeast in the bread, so that the bread will not have, in, in certain terms, sin. So the bread will not have uh, uh, fermentation. So the bread will not be touched, or will not be in its unnatural state. Y'all following me on that? Okay, I'm not trying to be a scientist here. I'm trying to get you to understand the basic of it so in the old testament during passover at least at least for sure they would not drink um for, they would not make bread that was leavened, so no yeast so they would also not drink wine that would have any kind of fermentation in it it had to be pure and so jesus is now starting his ministry and he's coming to fulfill the law he's coming to not abolish it but to fulfill it to be that so we know that he is a king and a priest even though he's going to die on the cross He's not going to do something that he would expect his disciples from the Old Testament to not do. He would not come and change that. So if he asked his disciples in the Old Testament not to drink in the book of Exodus, and, and that, that's not for leaders, that's not for believers, then he would not come and say, well, I'm going to change that, because he said, I didn't come to change the law, I came to fulfill it. And then you have pictured the water, for him to take the water... And turn it into wine in the sense of fermentation, not grape juice. He would have had to take natural water and make it into unnatural wine. How many see that? That's not, that's not the character of God. He would have taken natural water, turned it into natural grape juice, or what the Bible says is called the fruit of the vine. Okay? How many are with me so far? Let me give me just a couple more minutes. I'm trying to speed this is the end. And this is, the, I haven't even got to the best part yet. So um, in the scriptures, let's go, to the, let's go now to the, to the place where Jesus began to end up his ministry. How am to grab that on the party. Okay. Not his nature to change something natural and unnatural. Not his nature to give alcohol to a bunch of drunks to get drunker. When his own word says drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. So now we go to the end with the last supper. We just took communion last week. Bread's the symbol of his his body. The cup is the symbol of his blood. So now we think about that. And here's a key verse. I want you to write this down. Don't look at it for time, but I want you to write this down. If you'll look later at Matthew 26, 29. I'm having to run through this. You can study this out later. Matthew 26, 29. It's also mentioned in Mark and Luke. This is the Last Supper. Jesus does it. He says, This is the cup. This is the representation of my blood. This is the, broad, the bread. This is my body. And he says these key words, and I'm going to read to you. He says these key words I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until I drink it with you again in my Father's kingdom. What did Jesus call the grape juice? Fruit of the vine. He did not even say wine. Oh, Jesus drank wine. Where did he drink wine? Ooh, there you go. Give me that whistle. Where did Jesus drink wine? So funny how people like to quote it. He said, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine, which equals grape juice until I drink it again in my father's kingdom. Why grape juice? Why? Why they call it wine? Why? Because it was a delicacy at that time. It was something that was very tasty. If you like grape juice today, imagine what it was like without any preservatives, without any, any, anything added to it, just straight, uh, just straight made perfect and sweet. And, and then, and then they, would, um, uh, they would boil it to get the fermentation out, to keep it from fermenting. And then that way when they boiled it, they could keep it for long periods of time. They would also at the same time, you know, they didn't have refrigerators back then. They didn't have the stuff that we have today to be able to keep things from fermenting, so they had to do it in a different way. So they would boil it, or they would, and when they boiled it, they would make it. It would make it into almost like a jelly, where they could reuse it again, whether to drink it or to put it on bread or whatever else. Okay, so 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 far before we go to this last part, how many how many are just understanding everything I'm saying? Okay, getting a good getting a good. Okay, should I should I not? It's going to be yours at the end of the day, but I want you to just uh, make sure you're following me. Let's go to Proverbs 20, and we're going to end there. Proverbs chapter 20. This is one thing that the Lord showed me many years ago that just blew me away. I, I, I was blown away at God's word, which I always am. Proverbs 20. We're going to look at two things real quick to end. Give me an amen when you're there. So, so as we're getting to this um, today maybe another stereotype would be um, that wine and I'm not trying to attack wine but but society kind of kind of looks seems to kind of look less down on wine than beer uh, Oh drunkards beer blah, blah blah whatever but wine just seems to be more fine more more luxurious more for proper people more whatever whatever you want to call it um, and they kind of look to, tend to look less on wine. And let me throw out another stereotype. Can I give you another stereotype real quick? Oh, uh, Paul told Timothy to drink wine. Yeah, Paul told Timothy to drink wine. No, he didn't. He said exactly what I said a few minutes ago. He said, don't just drink water. Add a little wine to your water for your stomach. So he was not saying, hey, have a, have a glass of wine every once in a while. Timothy was having stomach problems. And inside of his stomach problems, Paul was telling him, there's a way you can fix that. Let me give you an example of something that can be fermented, and it's not for drinking to get drunk, but it's good for you. Every single day of my life, I drink apple cider vinegar. It's one of the best things you can possibly do for your body. It is fermented. And it's for your stomach. It's for your cholesterol. It's for all kinds of things. But it was not intended to chug that sucker back. Besides the fact that it will kill you, and, 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 and make your face do all kinds of things that still makes me do faces when I drink it. That's what Paul was telling Timothy. Okay, let's finish with this. I've tried to eliminate all the, hey, this and that. And let me just say this before I read this. If you want to do something that's not right, you can find somebody who will do it with you. I just want to throw that out. If you, if you, and that's not just drinking, that's anything. If you want to find something you want to do, you can find a church that will tell you it's okay. You can find a place where they will say, no, I'm not going to step on that toe. We're just going to leave this alone. But listen, i want to tell you something this morning. I'm not called to be your friend. I love friends. I love to fellowship with you. I'm not called to be your friend. I'm called to preach the Bible to you and the gospel as is and try to get you to heaven. Amen. So. I have friends, I have daughters, I have a wife, I have family, I'm good. I, don't, I got Jesus. Amen. But that's the bottom line. Too many pastors today are more concerned about who's giving money and who's not, who they're gonna, whose toes they're going to step on and who's not, who they're going to upset and who not. That's, not. that's not the goal of a true church. Amen. Okay, Proverbs 20, look what this says. Wine is a, shout it out with me, mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. Okay? So, so this is interesting. This is just a little verse, and this still isn't the best one yet. I haven't, I'm saving the best for last. Just like Jesus did. Okay? Except it wasn't fermented alcohol. It was the best grape juice you could have. Made straight from God. Okay? So wine is a mocker, strong drink is a baller. What does strong drink mean? When they would go to mix parts, they would take, okay, everybody knows parts. One part water, let's say if I had a cup, one part water, one part wine. And then what they would do at that time is they would add most of the time, listen closely, most of the time, even let's just say that in their time that that grape juice could get a little fermented. It kind of had to get a little fermented because, because they didn't have refrigerators. Well, that's why they would mix it with water so that it would not get them drunk. Their intent... Their intent was not to get drunk. Their intent was to drink it with the water. Okay? So they would mix it sometimes, and most of the time, actually, between ten parts water to one part wine. Do you all see that? Ten cups of water to one cup of wine. So that they would get the taste in there, but they would not get drunk. If you had less, listen, at that time in Bible times, legally, if you had less than three parts water to one part wine, it was considered dangerous. It was considered bad. It was considered not good. Three parts to one on water. And most people would drink it twenty. Okay? So I'm just throwing that. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. So if they got down to where they were mixing the exact same or less water than wine, it was considered strong drink. Mixed. Okay? Proverbs twenty-three. Let me give you the best right here to close. Proverbs twenty-three. Give me an amen when you're there. It's just a couple chapters over. I'm going to read this, and as I read this, I want you just to listen to the words. It's pretty interesting. Verse 29. Y'all there? Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine. That sounded like some symptoms right there, didn't it? Those who go in search of what? Mixed wine. I just explained the mix. Now watch this. I've never been a wine drinker, but I know what they do. Look at me. They grab the thing. I know they do all that. Okay. Do not look on the wine when it is red. When it sparkles in the cup. And when it swirls around smoothly. Hmm. Why? Why, why, why? At last... Bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things. And your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like the one who lies. Oh, this is the most amazing. I could not have done better. You could not have done better drunk than this. He says that you'll be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea. You know, you feel like you're still moving for some reason. Whoa. Can't get this boat to stop. (laughs) Let me head over to the toilet and get the boat to release to the ocean. Flush it down. And some of you are saying, oh, I've never done that. Good. Good. Look back at my dad right there. He's never had a drop of alcohol in his life. Not a drop. Not a drop. Dad, have you missed out on anything? Does any of this sound like fun? Okay. Just making sure. I don't want you to walk out here and go, hey, I want to try it. (laughs) Like one who lies at the top, verse 34, of the mast saying, they have, oh, this sounds familiar. They have struck me, but I was not hurt. Isn't it crazy how every time a drunk driving accident happens, the one who's driving drunk never gets hurt? They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. Now watch this last sentence. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? When shall I awake that I may seek another? another drink. Musicians, you can come this morning. So should Christians drink? I give you all those for you to make your decision this morning, for you to personally say, Lord, I know that every one of you in here this morning love God and you want to do what's right. So you make that decision. You might say, well, it sounds like you've already made my decision for me no I'm not you make your own decision every everybody at the end of the day makes their own decisions everybody has to say you know what this is what I feel but I've given you a lot of scriptures and and I I was gonna close with a different story but I'm not going to for time but I did mention to you guys about a month ago I think about a story uh, about a, a pastor y'all remember me mention that and I just kind of I just want to throw that out again he was a he was a guy who was who was raised in church um, and 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 uh, was taught by his parents not to drink had that conviction growing up had it getting into the military had it becoming a a chaplain in the in the army He, he would get around people and they would drink and he would say no no thank you and he'd go on and and then as he got further up in the ranks he got around an army chaplain who he really respected Got invited to his house one night, and they sat down at the table, and the guy had wine, and he said, hey, you want some? He's like, no, no, I'm good, thank you. And the guy began to tell him why. The Bible says, and he began to say things from the Bible, I don't know what he was using, but he began to say things and say, you know, it's it's good, it's good to have a little wine. Whatever pitch he gave him, this guy at 22 years old said, you know what? What's the big deal? And he took a drink. Now for some people, no problem. For some people, no problem. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's okay. Or, you know, I'll I'll have another drink, whatever. Problem is for him, he says, is he liked it. He liked the taste. And so then he had another glass. And then he had another glass. And that, without going into the whole story, spiraled him from a wife and two kids and a ministry as a chaplain to becoming a full-blown alcoholic. And when I say full-blown, he said one night he was driving down the road. Absolutely, He had already left the ministry, already lost his job, was losing his family, but for some, somehow, for, somehow he got his wife to come pick him up, totally drunk at a party. They're driving 60 miles down the road, and he had liquor in the back when, before he went to the party. And he, at 60 miles an hour, out of his mind drunk, opened the door to go back to go get alcohol while I was driving 60 miles an hour. His wife was able to slow down enough that he flew into the ditch without dying. She backed up, made sure he was alive, and then left him there. Done, she said. So he, I have this link. I'll share it with anybody that wants it. I don't. Want, there's even more to the story. But he, he basically says, I, I, I stopped my conviction and tried drinking once. Now, some people say, you know, I can handle it. I can, I can handle it. And you know what? That's true. Some people can handle it. But that would be to me, to me personally, that would be like me bringing out some mouse right, rat poison I have back there and saying, you know what, try this. And you're going, you know what, I think I can eat a little bit of it and it's not going to hurt me. Why would you do that? Now, here's, here's another thing people say when it comes to alcohol. Well, people eat like pigs and people do this, They're they'll, you know, be gluttons, they'll bring, all kind, they'll bring all kinds of valid points out. But here's my killer on the valid point. I could... I can eat until I drop dead, which is wrong, but it doesn't alter my thinking. Alcohol alters your thinking. and It doesn't take much to alter it, and every person's different, and every person has different tendencies. You might say, hey, I can handle it, and you might be able to, but what if someone watching you can't? You know, that guy that almost died that night. Now the end of the story is a good one. He got saved, got, gave his life back to the Lord, back in the ministry, but he, he went through some serious pain. You know what that guy, that guy that he was the army chaplain that caused him to stumble, he's got to answer to God for that. Because he took someone who had a conviction and, and, and why would you do that? If you have a conviction about something, if you need to go home today and go get drunk, do it on your own, but don't do something that's going to cause somebody else to stumble. Amen? Don't don't do that. It's dangerous. So that's why, and and I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I have many, many things that that attract me. Alcohol is not one of them. So you might say, oh, that just killed everything you said. No, it shouldn't because I could go a whole, whole bunch of directions with that. The last thought is this, if, 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 the, if you're here and you're, and, and, you're, and you're right now, maybe in this place where you're saying, well, you know, all that makes sense and everything, but you said, we, you know, as long as we don't get drunk. I'm, you know, if I have a glass of wine every once in a while, I have a beer every once in a while, it's okay. If you're there, that's fine. But the other question that I have when it comes to talking about this is, is where's God's, see, I don't see a definition in the Bible of what drunkenness is to God. That's what scares me. I don't see that. I don't, I don't see uh, the drunkards with the blood alcohol content level of will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So to me, that's a very slippery slope. To me. Anything to me that that, that I'm not sure about, my personal conviction is I'm not messing with it. Because I'm not sure. And, and, I, and I've always said, I, I'd, I'd rather get to heaven and have God tell me, man, you could have drank. I could have had some wine, beer and wine every once in a while. I'd rather have him tell me that than say, depart from me. I know you're not. Doer of iniquity on any area of my life. On any area. Not just alcohol. Any area. So that, that's, that's the reverent fear we should have. Today I talked about should alcohols drink, but there's a whole lot of other things. This just happens to be a humongous society thing that I wanted to answer. But as we bow our heads and close our eyes, that's the area that you need to think as a believer. That's what you need to be. And, and as, I'm, as I'm praying, the, the, those that are going to get baptized can go change. That's the area that we need to really focus on this morning. We need to say, Lord, is there anything in my life, anything, is there any area of my life that is, is causing me to be in a slippery slope of sin? It, 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 could this thing here that might not seem so dangerous be something that could cause me to fall somewhere else? Could this area be uh, a stumbling block for somebody else? Maybe it's not a sin to me, but maybe if someone else sees me do it, it'll cause them to fall. That's the kind of walk we need to have. The Bible says to live above reproach. The Bible says to be blameless. That doesn't mean to be perfect, because we're not perfect. It means to live a life that people cannot blame you for things. Well, I did it because they did it. I said it because they said it. I went there because they went there. That's the area we have to say, Lord, help me on that. Help me on that, Holy Spirit. Help me be a leader, not a follower. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many in this place this morning would just say, Pastor, I would, I would love to give my life to Jesus this morning. This is the moment of those that are going to get baptized this morning at one point in the last few months gave their lives to Jesus Christ and they said, Jesus, I, I, I no longer live, but you live in me. Jesus, I, I believe you're the son of the living God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe you're coming again. If you've never said that publicly, if you've never opened your heart to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to do that this morning. God wants you to do that this morning. He, he, has, he has your name in his mind this morning. He wants to write it down in the Lamb's Book of Life, but the Bible says the only way to have your name written in the book is to accept Him. How many all over this place can say, Pastor, that's me. Just put your hand up and put it right back down and say, would you pray for me? Pray for me, please. I want Jesus. God bless you. I see your hand. I want Jesus. I I, I believe He died on the cross for my sins. I believe He rose from the dead. I'm not asking you to become a member of this church this morning. I'm not asking you to to sign a paper I'm asking you where is your heart with God tonight? This morning if you died if You passed into eternity this morning. Where would you spend eternity a? church an organization a Membership card is not going to get you into heaven Jesus said I am the way The truth and the life no one comes unto the Father except through me the book of Acts says there's no other name written under heaven by which men can be saved but the name of Jesus so when I stand before God in heaven I'm not going to tell him hey I was part of victory world outreach or hey I was part of this church or hey I had a membership card at this religion He's going to say to his son, Is his or her name in the book of life? If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus will say, No, Father, it's not. And God will say, Depart from me, doer of iniquity, I know you not. I promise you, you do not want to hear those words. And you don't have to because Jesus paid your price, Jesus bought your ransom. I'll tell you what we all deserve this morning. We all deserve death. We all deserve damnation. We're wicked people by nature. We're sinners. Oh, you say, I'm a good person though. Your goodness is not good enough for a holy God. That's why Jesus came. There's gonna be a lot of good people in hell. Why? Because you don't get to heaven through good works. You don't get to heaven from being good. You get to heaven by putting your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for your sins. As we stand to our feet this morning, I want to ask one more time. As I stand here in front of this church, if you raise your hand or you just know in the last 30 seconds you need to change your life today, that you're in a valley of decision. You're not, pro- listen, you might say, hey, I'll come back next week. I got to go work on some things. Don't do that because next week's not promised. The Bible says life's like a vapor. Today it's here, tomorrow it's gone. So as if you raised your hand, or didn't, but you know you need to be saved, would you just step out quickly? I'm not going to beg this morning or anything, but if you raised your hand, several hands went up. If you just come stand right here, I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to give just a few seconds. We're going to pray. We're going to ask Jesus to come into our lives and be Lord. Amen. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Praise God. Amen. Maybe you didn't raise your hand. There's still still a chance to come. It's public confession of our faith. Amen. This morning. Praise God. Public confession. Jesus is working on us. Amen. Amen. I'm going to give just a few more seconds. You guys begin to sing something. And Dwayne, I actually need you to go back there. Amen. As they sing, would you just bow your heads for a moment? And as you're praying going to open up the altars. Maybe this subject is something you want to pray about for yourself or for somebody else. We're going to open up the altars. Um, but I also want to do that before we do that. I want to give just a few more seconds. Listen, don't walk out of here without knowing Jesus, please. Please. How many accidents do we have to hear about on the news? Just last week, a 14-year-old boy was driving a car, should not have been driving it, went into the other lane, killed a 45-year-old woman on Easter. Do you think she woke up that morning and said, I think I'm going to die in an accident today? There's no way. Today, the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Don't put it off another second. I'm going to give just a few more seconds. This is, this is my heart this morning. Please don't sit there and say, I got so much stuff I got to get in order. We all do. I'm still a work in progress. Every day I'm a work in progress. Every day I'm changing. Every day I'm trying to be more like Jesus. Every day I'm working on my attitude. Every day I'm working on my anger. Every day I work on my unforgiveness. Every day. But the reason I can have joy this morning is to know that I've put my faith in what Jesus already did for me on the cross. As they sing, we're going to open up the altars for anybody else that wants prayer this morning. We're going to say a prayer with these in just a moment. Find a place if you'd like just for a few moments while they're getting ready for the baptism. simple prayer coming out of your mouth because Jesus already did everything you just have to accept it it's like somebody giving you a free gift you just accept it say this with me Lord Jesus I know that I'm a sinner and I need a savior I fall short of your glory I need help Father Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins and become sin for me Jesus I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead and you conquered death because of that I am saved I confess with my mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe in my heart That God raised him from the dead. Jesus, wash me clean. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. go through life wondering what's right and what's wrong because your Holy Spirit speaks to us because your word speaks to us Father this morning help us help us Lord to make godly decisions help us to listen to the conviction of your Holy Spirit help us Lord to, 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 to listen to your voice that says that's not good for you don't do that stay away from that because There's a consequence to that. There's there's problems down the road to that. Father, help us not open up doors that would lead to other doors, that would lead to destruction. And Lord, if we've been deceived this morning in any area of our life, if we've fallen into any addictions, any traps of the devil, set us free this morning by your precious blood. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen, let's give the Lord one more praise. Thank God for these people who've made a decision this morning, amen. As you head back to your seats,